0: So if you've been following along with us, we're in week three of our series called Lead by Example, and as I stated the last two weeks, the reason for this series is we want to teach the entire church really about Christian leadership so that we can all lead in the areas of life that we're in, whether you're a parent, whether you're a co-worker, a neighbor, whatever it is, you want to be able to lead people uh, because people are looking at the example that you have. So we want to... We want to teach you about that so that you can lead in whatever area of life that you're called to lead in. We also want to teach about this so you can lead in our church in various ministries and different things that we do here at the church. And we also want to teach you about this series because I want you to know what Christian leadership is all about. So in week one, we learned about the example of faith. Last week we learned about the example of integrity, and today we're going to learn about the example of commitment. Now by definition, commitment is the state or quality of being dedicated to a cause. The state or quality of being dedicated to a cause. So the question that we have to answer is, what is the cause? That the Christian leader should be dedicated to? And the answer to that is pretty simple. I hope you know the answer, but the answer is we need to be dedicated to the gospel message. The beautiful message of Jesus Christ is that it starts off not so beautiful for us because we are sinners. We're sinners in need of a Savior, but the message gets beautiful because Jesus is that Savior. And He was willing to come to this earth and live a perfect life and then die a criminal's death, dying a, a criminal's death on on the cross to pay the price for our sins. Three days later, Jesus rose from the grave to prove that he is God. And the, the scriptures tell us this all who believe that Jesus is your Savior will be saved, will receive eternal life. That is a life giving message. That is the message of life. And as Christians, and not only as Christian leaders, as Christians, we need to be dedicated to the spread of that message because that message never changes other things in this world change, that message never changes. So obviously there is going to be more to Christian leadership than just telling others that message about the gospel message, because other things flow out of the message of Jesus, like discipleship, like service, like a life, living a life that is pleasing to God. But as believers, we have to be committed to the message that saves people's souls, because we don't have a Christian faith if there is no gospel message it's always the starting point Uh, this theologian his name is John Stott he says this all around we see Christians and churches relaxing their grasp on the gospel fumbling it and the danger of letting it drop from their hands well the truth is that can't be us and honestly it won't be us as long as I'm here okay so here's the truth We want to make sure that we train up the next generation so that they don't drop the ball on that message because we won't have a church. We don't have a reason to get together if Jesus didn't pay the price for our sins. So most of you probably realize this but the apostle Paul was committed to making sure the gospel message was spread. And today what we're going to do is we're going to learn from him, the apostle Paul in the scriptures, a, com- a committed Christian leader, what areas of life we have to work on to make sure that we're committed. Now when I think of when 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 you hear this, I'm going to really talk about committed to the gospel message, but realistically, you can apply this commitment to any area of life, okay? Commitment is something that will help you in any area of life. So the first area that we need to work on as far as commitment goes is conviction, okay? Conviction is a firmly held belief or opinion. Commit- conviction is a firmly held belief or opinion. So in order to be committed to something, you have to actually believe it's true, right? To if, you're, if, if you're committed to something, you wanna believe it's true. But just because you believe something is true doesn't make it true, right? Just because you believe something is true doesn't make it true. Throughout history, we have had people that have firmly firmly held beliefs that were wrong and sadly led, led other people down terrible roads. People like Hitler believed there was a superior race. People like David Koresh believed he was Jesus, and they both had strong convictions, and sadly, their strong-held convictions were wrong and led people to kill others, And themselves. So through the course of history there's a laundry list of people that had strong convictions that were wrong and where they were committed to those beliefs. Today through the use of social media we see that people can have a conviction about something that is totally wrong and totally false but can easily find others to agree with them or convince others that their wrong and false beliefs are actually true. They make videos, they start websites, they write self-published books to convince people that something that is false is true. You know what, and if you don't believe me, when you get home today, Google flat earth movement, okay? Just do it. You'll be interested, okay? So it takes conviction to really be committed to something, but that something has to be true for it to be helpful. So as Christians, we need to be committed to the spread of the gospel message because it is true. The gospel message is true. In the beginning of the letter that Paul wrote to the Romans, he said this: For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For it is the righteousness of God is for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So this verse gives a reason for Paul's conviction. So what I want to do is I want to take some time to break it down. First, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation to everyone who believes. Now, Paul wholeheartedly believed the gospel message is the power of God for salvation of all who believe. So therefore, he's not ashamed of it, because it is the truth. No matter where Paul goes or who he's talking to, He's willing to share the message of truth. See, if you follow the life of Paul, you see his commitment to the the gospel to be firm. He faced many hardships because he was willing to share the powerful message of the gospel. He upset scores of people because he was willing to tell them the truth about the gospel. He had a strong-held conviction that people needed to hear the message, so he wasn't ashamed of it. The passage goes on It says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. Now, Paul has a commitment to this gospel based on the conviction that the message of righteousness is from God, or the, or the message is actually the righteousness of God. Now, what in the world does that mean? Well, that means that the Father was willing to sacrifice his son Jesus, and he was proving that he is righteous, so righteous that he is willing to save sinful people based on their faith in what he has done. With that faith in Jesus, we're made righteous before God, and since we are righteous The next thing that Paul says is the righteous live by faith. So basically what's happening here is this. God is so righteous and so willing to save sinners that he was willing to lay down his own life in our place for our sins in order to make us righteous. Because some of you have heard me say this. When Christ died, he took our sinfulness upon himself and gave us his righteousness. So now when we stand before God, God sees us as righteous and not righteous. As sinners so then he says this Paul says the righteous shall live by faith meaning this the righteous or in other words the Christian should live by faith or the conviction that they believe that Jesus is true this makes us committed to the message and the spreading of the message if we believe this is true why would we keep it from other people if we believe this message is true Why would we keep it? I know I've shared this before, but if I knew today that if you called somebody and and that call would result in you being mailed a check for a million dollars and each person could have that and I I can call and say, okay, I'll take my million dollars and they're like, okay, Mr. Mrazik, we're gonna mail you your check for a million dollars. Tell all your friends, you can't have their million dollars, but if you tell them they could have a million dollars and I hung up the phone and just went on my merry way and was like, cool, I have a million dollars. And you guys would be like, where'd you get that million dollars? Be like, well, that's kind of a secret. What kind of person would I be? Well, we do the same every day with the gospel, don't we? We have the message of life given to us through the scriptures, and the scriptures tell us to spread that, and a lot of times we just don't. That brings us to the second area we need to work on to be committed, and that is discipline. Discipline. Now, discipline is the training of oneself to do something in a controlled, habitual way. Okay, most commitments we have in life will take discipline. Things like eating right, exercise, schoolwork, sports, hobbies, career, parenting, marriages, relationships, all these things take discipline. And sadly, the reason why so many people are suffering and the reason why so many areas of their life are kind of out of order is because of this lack of discipline. But the truth is, we are all disciplined in some areas, and when we're disciplined in one area of life, it helps us to realize that we can be disciplined in another area of life. So if you're disciplined in one area of life, it actually proves to yourself that you can be disciplined in multiple areas of your life. Now, the Apostle Paul realized this, and in 1 Corinthians 9, he actually spends the chapter speaking about all the rights that he has in Jesus, because he traveled around and told people the gospel. But he had rights that he was free to do, free to take part in, but he gave up some of those rights. Some of those rights were like getting married like eating any type of food, like making a living from preaching the gospel. Paul had all those rights, but Paul set aside, in this chapter he says, I set aside those rights in order to travel around to preach the gospel, and also so that no one would, would think he was doing this for personal gain or his own glory. He concludes the chapter with a very famous passage. Some of you might remember this in 1 Corinthians 9, 22. It starts off. He says, I have become all things to all people, that by means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So Paul was one of the greatest Christian leaders in the history of the church. And here he's letting us know one of the secrets to being committed to the cause of the gospel is discipline. It took discipline to give up certain things in order to effectively lead others to Jesus by spreading the gospel. Obviously, there's so much more to Paul's influence because we know that he was empowered by God, but people listened to Paul and followed him because he was disciplined and that caught their attention. Today, people see the example of the apostle Paul and say, wow, what discipline he had to spend his entire life preaching the gospel. Do you realize our spiritual lives take discipline? We don't learn and grow and serve without some sort of discipline in our lives. When we have discipline, what happens is it teaches others that discipline is actually possible for them. Some will say, if they can do it, I want to take a page out of their book and follow them. Like Think about this for a minute. Will you take financial advice from someone that's a financial wreck? Will you take exercise or diet advice from someone that is overweight and out of shape? Will you take parenting advice from someone who has notoriously disobedient children? Will you take marital advice from someone that has a string of failed marriages? I would imagine the answer to that would be no. The only advice you will take from them is what, right? Not to do. Because you look at their life and say, okay, I'm not gonna make the same mistake. Their lack of personal discipline may have contributed to their situation. And they probably will not admit it, so you're just taking bad advice if you take advice from them. See, what happens in life is we follow leaders and people that display discipline in their life. The ones that are willing to do the hard things and often times give up their own rights because it underlines their commitments or helps others understand why they're so committed to something. See, the good news is Paul wasn't pointing people to himself. He was just using himself as an example to point people to Jesus. That is what Christian leaders do. He wasn't saying, look how disciplined I am. He's teaching that it takes discipline to be committed to the cause of the gospel. See, we need that type of discipline, but the truth is you will probably never have it in your faith if you lack the last area that we need to work on to be committed, and that is passion, okay, passion. Passion is an intense desire or enthusiasm for something, okay? I will say this, passionless people are boring. Have you noticed that in life? Passionless people are boring. Honestly, I don't even enjoy my time with people that have no passion. Passion is contagious, and passion draws people in. When you see it, you know it, and you want to investigate and find out what is so special about this thing that they're passionate about. Passion fuels commitment, inspires you to do things that only few will do and some will never do. Most of you know I spent the better part of the last 33 years of my life surfing. I first saw surfing in Harvey Cedars, New Jersey. I saw guys taking waves, and I said, I want to do that. I want to do that. I had one of those Benny boards, remember that's what we used to call them, those ones that were white on the bottom and either orange or blue or green on the top. And I would paddle out on that as a little kid and try to stand up. I didn't realize you needed more stability and fins on the bottom. I didn't even know it wasn't a surfboard until finally I got a surfboard when I was about 13 years old and everything changed. I was so passionate about surfing. People always ask me around April or May, They come up to me when the weather gets nice and they say, hey, Mike, did you start surfing yet? And my answer is always the same. And if you've asked me this, you know what my answer is. I never stopped. I surf all winter. And then people ask, even in February? They say things like, how cold's the water? What do you wear? Do you get cold? And then they say things like this. That's crazy. And that's nuts. Okay, and I'm going to admit, I'm going to admit, there are some winter days when I'm getting suited up in my minivan, I got my heat blasting, it's 25 degrees out with sub-degrees wind chills, the water's in the upper 30s and I think, maybe I am crazy, okay, maybe, I, maybe I've lost something here. Okay? But then I paddle out and I get that first wave and it reminds me why I do this. I have an intense desire and enthusiasm for surfing, which is passion. I would not go through all that if I didn't. My passion for it makes me committed to it because the end goal is what? Riding waves. I do have to say that because the end goal is riding waves, it actually makes the journey of getting there, all those hard things actually more meaningful and more fun because it led me to waves that some people would never get to because they don't have that same passion. See, but the challenge for me and for us as believers is, do we have that same type of passion for the gospel message? The passion that makes us so committed to it that we may do things that others might say, that's nuts. You may give money to it and others say, that's nuts. You may give time to it and others say, that's nuts. You believe there's an eternal paradise, that's nuts. You believe God is there for you, that's nuts. That's what passion is. You're passionate, so passionate about something that you're going to do things that other people might look and say, I would never do that. But then others will say, I want to investigate. Why is this thing so important to this person? Why are they so passionate about doing this? In Romans 1:15, Paul says, "So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you who are also in Rome." In Romans 10:1, he says, "Brothers, my heart, desire, and prayer to God is for them to be saved." You see, Paul had a passion to see people trust Jesus, and because of that, he was committed to spreading the message. and honestly, he did things and lived in ways. If you study the life of the Apostle Paul, that people would say, "That's crazy." That's nuts. But if you notice from those two verses I shared, it wasn't just a passion for Christ. It was a passion to see others know Christ. You get that? He loved God so much, and he was passionate about his love for God, but he also loved people. He wanted them to receive the same message. He wanted to make that million-dollar phone call and then tell others how they can make that million-dollar phone call. See, we need to have that passion to lead people to Jesus because we know that Jesus is best for them. You know what? We really get nothing out of someone else trusting in Christ except for the joy of knowing that they trust in Christ. Like Paul said, I want to share in the same blessings as them. See, when we talk about leading by example, the end goal for the Christian is bringing glory to Jesus, and that happens when people trust him because every person that trusts in Jesus, Jesus gets the glory. You know what? Because the end goal is people trusting in Jesus. Do you know what happens? The journey, the journey actually becomes fun and meaningful because it led people to Jesus. It led people to come to know him. You know, for me, when I reflect on 26 years here in ministry at the church and all the faces of all the people, all of you having the privilege of being part of that faith journey and how God uses this body of believers and all the ministries, the events, the programs, the services, the weddings, the funerals, the baptisms, the baby dedications, the end goal is souls trusting in Jesus. I realize this. I look back and say, the journey is just so fun and so meaningful that it inspires me and reminds me of my commitment to Jesus and how it puts me in places that only those that are committed can enjoy. And it also encourages me to keep going. Every day, it just encourages me to keep going. This is what happens when you're committed to the beautiful gospel message. So my call to you is let's lead others by the example of our commitment. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this day. I'm thankful again for this church and the many, many blessings that it's provided me and my family and this community. I'm so thankful for that. And it's because of the commitment of people, even before I was born, to come into this community and plant this church. We're so thankful. But we pray, Lord, that that commitment doesn't end here with us. We pray that it continues on decades and decades until you return. So we're thankful again for this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.